The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. There I am! <laughs> what is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on a Monday night. And it can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. So good to have you in. Missed you last week. Apologies. Man, I have been too busy in a bad way. I don't like it. But it's good to be in here with you tonight because we got a lot to talk about. I missed a lot last week, if you didn't know. My good God, everything I praise these Buffalo Bills for time and time again, never being a distraction, never being a storyline, never being dominant in the news cycle outside of what they do on the field that has all seemed to have flipped on its head within a two-week time span here, and there's plenty to dive into surrounding this. I don't know how much there is to dive into when it comes to the substance of exactly what we have been facing as a fan base when it comes with these Buffalo Bills and what has been coming out, happening over the last two weeks. Very, very confusing, and I think it's a very indicative sign of the time of year that we are in. And I think the Bills are unfortunately falling victim to that. We will talk about all of that throughout the show tonight here on the Smoke Break. Good to have you in on this last Monday of June as we head into the month of July, meaning what we are less than, I think we're around 70 days till kickoff. Let me see. Let me let me see. We got, we got the, the power of the internet. How many Days until uh, September 11th. That's the Bills game, right? 77 days till Buffalo Bills kickoff, which is on a Monday night. So if we do the quick math, seventh, right, is the opening kick on that Thursday. So we're 73 days away from NFL football. And let me tell you what, folks, we need it. We need it bad. We are in the dog days of summer. We are in the dog days of sports. This blows. This absolutely blows. I was at a Yankees game when Saturday. That's when you know it's getting bad when I'm at the Yankees game. And I don't I don't go to many baseball games. I I, I typically go to one Yankees game a year, maybe once every two years, depending on what I got going on in the summer. But I try to get to at least one because they're a good time. But you know when I'm when I'm making my way to Yankee Stadium, I'm down bad because there's nothing else. The NHL's done, the NBA's done. Anything topical to do with the NFL at this moment in time is pretty much hearsay, complete BS. And of course, we're going to talk about how that has affected our Buffalo Bills as of late. And then there's baseball. And I'm just not a baseball guy. It is no offense to anybody who is. I love that for you. I wish I was. There's just too many games, and there's just 
a complete lack of urgency that has just it, it has always put me off when it comes to baseball. I also played lacrosse my whole life, so I think not playing it growing up like most people do uh, was also a factor uh, as well. Now, I will say just a quick note on the pace of things when it comes to baseball and the reason I don't really love it. That major, major change. I don't watch a lot of baseball at all on TV. And typically when I go to the game, it's more, it's more of a social event than it is really going to a game. Like, could you imagine, you know how they do those decked, those decked things, those party decks at the, uh, at the baseball stadiums where you kind of just pay like whatever bottom barrel price. And you just kind of hang out in like a, a literal deck. There's one on the back end of the, you know, like center fieldish at Yankee stadium. And they have them at every baseball stadium, minor leagues, you know, you name it. And you literally just pay a bottom barrel price and you go and you just drink beer and hang out with people and, and whatever. It's kind of like going to a, a bar almost, but there's a baseball game going on. And I always thought to myself, could you imagine watching a bills game that way? Just casually hanging out in some mosh pit like you're at a concert trying to get a view of what the hell is going on in the game. Baseball, you're able to do that because it's just a whole lot of, oh, and the next pitch. And it's it, baseball is essentially a podcast. What I'm doing right here, what those broadcasters do, I think it's the coolest job. For three hours a game, and there's, what, 182 games? It's a podcast with some guys out on the field swinging a bat, throwing a ball around. But with these new changes, with the pitch clock and whatever else, watching that game at Yankee Stadium on Saturday against the uh, against the Rangers was a lot of fun. The pace is a lot better. It actually makes you want to watch the game when you're there. And, and it, even, it meant even more to me because that game finished one to nothing. Of course, the one baseball game I go to, and I won't go to another one again this year probably, one Nothing. But it was watchable because of that pitch clock. I got to give credit to the MLB. It made it a lot more fun being there. That was my first time being in the stadium for a game uh, with these new rules. That was cool. Not enough to get me completely into it, but enough to where, to where if you're at the game, it's a fun watch. But the whole moral of the story here is if I'm at a baseball stadium, you know I'm down bad because that means – we are quite literally in the worst period of the year when it comes to sports. As I just mentioned, we just wrapped up the Stanley Cup. We just wrapped up the NBA Finals. Of course, the draft's been over for some time. The big headline offseason moves have well been done. The only two we're really waiting on right now, of course, are the ones we've been waiting on for uh, one in which has been, what, at least two months, going on two months in DeAndre Hopkins, the other being – Dalvin Cook. Those are the two names that come to mind when you're when you're talking about the NFL right now and a potential big story that could come out at some point in the near future. But when it comes to football in itself right now, outside of potentially those two storylines, and they're big storylines, everybody's been waiting to see where those two guys go, us included. I mean, there was a point in time where all we did was just sit around waiting to see if DeAndre Hopkins was going to be a bill, and now you blink and you're like, wow. You know, that felt like forever ago, and he still isn't on a new team. He got cut by the Arizona Cardinals in late May, and he has yet to sign with a team. So you look at him, you look at Dalvin Cook, those are the two things you think of right now when it comes to a potential exciting event that could happen in the NFL. So what does that mean, right? Well, what it means is all we're doing right now 
is waiting for kickoff. There's nothing else. There's nothing. We're getting into camp, and of course, everybody starts talking about camp, and oh, so-and-so's doing this, and so-and-so's doing that, but there's no substance to it, really. It's, it, it's all what we get every year. There's no actual, concrete, exciting stuff to talk about other than your preseason predictions and counting down whatever I said there, the 77 days until we see these guys on the field. But that does not mean that talk radio, sports television, they still have to go on air and talk about something. And unfortunately, our Buffalo Bills have given them something to extend their conversation over for what has felt like a month now, but it's only been two weeks. I cannot believe we are still talking about Stefan Diggs and that whole situation. But this is the first opportunity that I have had to get on here and talk to you about it. And I have got to share my thoughts. I cannot believe this is still dominating the NFL news cycle just because of the substance of it. I can believe it because it does make sense from the perspective of these shows. You got one of the Super Bowl favorites in the Buffalo Bills. You got one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Josh Allen. You got one of the best wide receivers in Stephon Diggs. If there's even a hint of turmoil, an issue, that's going to be something to talk about. What blows my mind is the way it went down, the short period in which it lasted, and how long that short period has not only been extended into this radical conversation about Stefan Diggs' spot on this team, his fit into this culture, I mean, it has been blown out of proportion to the point of exhaustion. I simply cannot fathom how much juice has been been attempted to have been squeezed out of this lemon because there ain't a whole lot inside of it, but they're trying their damnedest. So, of course, by now you already know. Something happened. What that is, we have no idea. We'll never know. But OTA startup, right, mandatory. Stephon Diggs isn't there. Sean McDermott takes the podium. And this is where I think a lot of this was blown out of proportion. Sean McDermott, for whatever reason, whether he meant it or not, he accidentally, pretty much according to him, said he was very concerned. Now, all of a sudden, we're all concerned. You want to know where I find this out? I'm in a bathroom at the Palisades Mall. I'm in a bathroom at the Palisades Mall. And I get a, I get a notification. Stefan Diggs not showing up to minicamp. I go, here, you go, here we go. Here we go. You got all this crap that had happened last year that was out of the Bills' control. Nobody had worse luck than them. Right? You had all that crap that happened. You had the way the year ended. Couldn't have been worse. This team needed to have a rock-solid offseason going into this year. And they have. I, I have praised the ability for Brandon Bean to truly pick this team back up and get them in, 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 in form for this, this coming season. I thought Brandon Bean, the combination of the draft and the offseason moves, had an exceptional offseason especially when you compare it to that of last year where the expectations were sky high. It was going to be very difficult 
for Brandon Bean to have an offseason that you felt satisfied with after what they had done last year. I had been satisfied completely by what Brandon Bean has been able to accomplish this offseason. You're starting to put the, 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 the Bengals game well in the past. The entirety of your focus now is on the coming season. To me, that game has been done for that, that game. I don't even think about it, right? Nothing you can do about it at this point. Nothing anybody else can do about it. All you can focus on is what's in front of you, and it's right around the corner. That, to me, is, is long gone. So up until this point, I had actually gone from uh, significantly, I would say, my confidence level and my level of excitement has risen dramatically since late January. I was at the lowest point I think I've ever been as a Buffalo Bills fan, and that is saying something. Now, there's different ways to weigh that. Your disappointment in them going 7-9 and nine is significantly different than your disappointment in them blow, just getting blown out at home in a playoff game in a year in which they were expected to win the Super Bowl, or at least they were favored to win the Super Bowl. There are different levels of expectation, so of course there's different levels of disappointment. But I would argue the disappointment is much higher when the stakes are higher. And the stakes had never been higher than they were last year, and the Bills did not come close to living up to those sky-high expectations that were set for them in the offseason as we've gone over at nauseam. The expectations were always too high. Anytime the expectation is simply Super Bowl or bust, when you have not been to a Super Bowl, when you have not proven that you can consistently get past the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cincinnati Bengals. It was, it was always a fool's errand, and it ended as such. So where I was at after that Bengals game was about the lowest point I'd ever been as a fan, and I knew it was going to take a while for me to get that taste out of my mouth. I can sit here today and say, it's gone. It's been gone for a while. And I think a lot to do with that has been what this offseason has brought us. The drafting of Dalton Kincaid. I don't think I've ever been more excited to see a prospect other than Josh Allen, of course. I don't think I've ever been more excited to see a prospect for this team going into a season, a draft pick. Never been this excited. I could not be more stoked to see what Dalton Kincaid is going to bring to this team. First offensive player drafted by these Bills since Josh Allen. Of course we're excited. Of course we're excited. And you're hearing what I've heard, right? The potential of this kid, the hands, his, his immediate fit with the team and how he's looking. You can't help but be stoked. The signing of Damian Harris, which I thought was a significant signing. In losing Devin Singletary, you now bump James Cook up to running back one. He just said on the Rich Eisen show yesterday, if you were wondering about that, by the way, and I, I, I've been on this since, of course, Singletary was let go. I didn't think it was anything, wasn't a crazy thing to say. James Cook's your running back one, obviously. I think Rico and I got kind of got into that a little bit. Rico, I, I, don't, I don't know if he still thinks that, but at one point Rico thought that Damian Harris might come in and be running back one. It's James Cook's time to shine, right? He showed us last year in flashes what he could potentially be capable of with a much higher workload on this offense. He told Rich Eisen yesterday, running back, when he asked him what his role was going to be on this team, James Cook told him, obviously, 
running back one. Another guy I could not be more excited to watch this year. This is James Cook's time, right? This is, you know, he was drafted in the early second round to be the running back for this team. Devin Singletary no longer around, the longest tenured running back that was currently on that roster. This is James Cook's running back locker room now. He was the guy drafted to be the head of this running back room. He is a guy that has up the utmost potential to be a significant, significant impact on this offense, not only in the run game, but of course in the pass game. And I could not be more excited to see what he is going to look like in an elevated role coming into this year. You got two guys that have me very excited, and the very exciting aspect of those two guys outside of the potential is, of course, their age. You got Dalton Kincaid coming in as a rookie, James Cook going in to only his second year. I don't think we barely, we barely have scratched the surface with James Cook and what he's going to be bringing to the table for these Buffalo Bills, or at least has the potential to bring. So very excited about that. And then in addition, of course, the Damian Harris signing, I think it is an extraordinary weight off of the shoulders of Josh Allen when it comes to certain types of play calling and certain types of situations. I cannot wait to see Damian Harris in a situation where it's fourth and an inch, where it's second and two from the two-yard line. We didn't have an opportunity to see the Bills have the personnel to take advantage of a situation like that with anybody else on the roster but Josh Allen. Damian Harris is now that guy that you can look to, a power back. If you haven't heard our interview with Dawson Knox, I had felt this way, you know, just based on what we have already seen from Damian Harris with his time in New England. It already felt his immediate impact on this team was going to be power. He was going to be the guy you bring in in those situations I, I just mentioned. You need a short yard, you need a red zone touchdown, and you don't want to have to rely on Josh Allen to do every single element to get that. Damian Harris is your guy. And then, of course, Dawson Knox tells us he has got some insane power, and he also happened to tell us that he might be the fastest of all of them in the running back room. Could not be more excited for that. And then you got Josh Allen, right? The cover of Madden. Kind of been a very tumultuous type of an offseason for Josh Allen, at least compared to what it's been in the past. Josh Allen had a bit of a long leash going into the NFL. Now, many would say, what are you talking about? He was the guy that was supposed to fail, right? He was the guy that had a really high ceiling, but no one really anticipated he would ever be able to get to it, much less break through it. That's why I think the leash was long. He was able to come into this league with the expectations not being all that high. And with the expectations not being that high, he was able to shatter them. Shatter them. And once you shatter that level of the ceiling, you have then created a whole new level. And then, of course, that brings, with great power comes great responsibility, right? To To quote Uncle Ben. Josh Allen's got all the power in the world now. The power in which he wields as the face of this franchise, as being touted as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's no longer the early days of Josh Allen having to prove that he was worthy of being drafted where he was. Those days are long gone. It is now gone from Josh Allen having to prove that he can be an NFL quarterback to Josh Allen having to prove that he can be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. That's how much things have changed. 
And this offseason, Josh Allen's been a, he's been all over all sorts of, you know, all, all over social media, everybody talking about him and what's going on with him here, what was going on with him and Stephon Diggs after the Bengals game, what's going on in his personal life. There, there hasn't been that for Josh Allen. This has been a different type of an offseason. And that, of course, comes off of a year where it just seems like nothing could go right for these Buffalo Bills. And it has me excited in the sense that I look at Josh Allen as a guy who embraces these type of situations, and I think he has completely done so going into this offseason up until this point, right? He had acknowledged. He has acknowledged that he has never been more focused on football than right now. That's what has me excited about it. You could look at the offseason for Josh Allen, and you could, you, could tick down, you could tick it down if you really wanted to. You could look at all the negatives and kind of be short on Josh Allen's stock going into the year, as a lot of people are. You listen to anything right now about the Buffalo Bills, sports talk radio, right? These television shows, everybody's down on the Buffalo Bills, at least the talking heads, at least the guys trying to get clicks. Miami Dolphins have surpassed the Buffalo Bills, right? The New York Jets have surpassed the Buffalo Bills. That is what is happening right now. I like that for Josh Allen. I like that. This is what we did not experience last year. It was the complete opposite. And we had felt, a lot of the fan base had felt that this was a team that, you know, were they really worthy of those expectations and were they going to be able to live up to them? Because I think it was Bruce Nolan who put out yesterday. It was a great tweet because I have always felt this way. You get to be at the point in which the Bills are currently at, right? The Super Bowl favorites are one of the favorites like they were last year. They were the favorite this year. They're what? Second or third, I think. The Kansas City Chiefs right now are the favorite. And when it comes to the betting markets, they, they have a 14% chance to win it. So what Bruce said on Twitter was, was extraordinary because it's the best way to look at this. Even if you are the best team in the league, even if you have the best chance to win the Super Bowl, you would have to win it. Uh, or you would have to, you would have a decade, you would have a decade almost to win it before it would be mathematically expected of you to have actually have won one by then. That's how tough it is to, to, to win in this league. You have a 14% chance to win the Super Bowl, according to the betting markets, when you are the favorite. The expectations last year were just way too high. The Bills have now found themselves getting lost in the weeds a little bit, especially compared to the, where they were last year at this time. I like that. So what am I getting at? I'm talking about all the things that I like here. And I've liked a lot. What I don't like right now is what's currently happening within the culture of a team in which I have felt strongly has had one of the best cultures in all of sports since Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have taken over this team. And I don't necessarily know if it is the fault of the team itself. The Bills have become a casualty the last two weeks of a dead NFL media cycle. This could not have happened at a worse time. That is why you are continuously hearing about it. I have ignored everything about this topic, the Stefan Diggs topic. I have ignored everything about this that has come out since 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 McDermott readdressed everyone and, and, and Diggs showed back up to practice. Why? Because why wouldn't I? What we have been seeing over the last two weeks is a blatant 
a blatant media rush of clickworthy and conversation type pieces to get juices flowing about a team that is supposed to be one of the best in the league. Because if you see Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, no longer getting along, Stephon Diggs, trade block, right? You hear all this, you're clicking on it. Because I know for me, right? Let's just give an example. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey apparently have falling out. Travis Holmes and uh, uh, Tra- Travis Holmes. Uh, Travis Kelsey doesn't report to minicamp. Andy Reid's super concerned. We would be all over it. Don't lie. Don't lie to yourself. We'd love it. As Bills fans, we would be all over it. The dynasty is over. The Chiefs are cooked this year, right? Travis Kelsey not going to be a Chief next year. Guarantee it. Bet you they can't get over it. We would. You would see it. Not saying you personally, but you know damn well when you fired up the bird app, you would see a large portion of this Bills fan base absolutely shitting on the Kansas City Chiefs if the situation was was reversed and the Chiefs were the ones dealing with this currently. And when you look at it from that perspective, I try to dial it back and look at my team from the same perspective. I would be all over it when it when it comes to the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes, because I would want that for me, selfishly, as a Bills fan. I would want a falling out from Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. I would want an inkling to hang on to, to think that the Chiefs were going to be on the verge of a collapse this coming season, that the chemistry of probably the best combination on offense in the entire league is dwindling. Who wouldn't love it? We would love it. And that is why you are hearing about this every single day, despite the fact that it lasted maybe eight hours, maybe I'll give it an eight to 12 hour window, potentially that it lasted the following day. Stefan Diggs is back. Everybody back, they walk back, whatever happened. And at this point, just face it. This is this just is the way it is. We've gone over this with other things as well. The Leslie Frazier thing is another perfect example. It's literally a perfect example. Whatever you think happened, it, it, it probably didn't happen. As soon as Leslie Frazier said he was taking a break, I knew for a fact he wasn't taking a break. Nobody's taking a break at the Krusty Krab since the Chum Famine of 59, right? No one's taking a break in the NFL. And we've learned that as of late. Leslie Frazier's been looking for a gig, so it seems. If you knew anything about the NFL and you knew anything about how the it, things work in the front office, that whole thing, it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. Leslie Frazier has been the scapegoat for this team, it seems, for the last couple of seasons and their shortcomings on defense in the postseason. I'm guessing, right? And once again, it's a guess, as is all of these, all of this stuff, all of this. But I'm guessing, right? Leslie Frazier probably didn't love that. Or I'm guessing potentially Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott had a differentiating mindset when it came to how the defense was being run, how things were being implemented in the playoffs, right? 
So there had to have been something there. It wasn't like Leslie Frazier just said, hey, you know what, guys? Really thinking about, you know, me and the fam just taking a year-long cruise. And uh, and maybe I'll remember, remember that. Remember those old thing with Leslie Frazier, right? Remember when this all happened? The potential to return. Remember that? Remember that? The potential to return. What? You mean to tell me Leslie Frazier is gonna go, he's gonna go tour Europe with the fam, go on a sabbatical, and then come back to the Bills? Oh, hey. Yeah, they know the vacation was great. Thanks, guys. You guys want to see some photos? Yeah, take a look. I got a whole photo album. So where were we? Let's get back to business. It was never happening. Right? You never knew what happened. You never will know what happened, but something happened and you just move on. That's what's happening here between the player, potentially other players, and the front office. Here's the one thing you have to remember before we get into what everybody else is saying and my comments on what they're saying. As long as Stefan Diggs is at practice, right? And he's not, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Because it, it is truly incredible how, how you have to be uh, meticulous in explaining this. When there really isn't, a, there's nothing to explain. You are having to explain something to defend against arguments that, is, that are completely hearsay by people that are just looking. I don't even know what's going on. Why does RG3, of all people, all of a sudden he's the guy who's got the big scoop? All of a sudden, our, we're going to get into hit what he said in a minute because I, I like RG3. I think he's fun. It seems like a really nice, cool guy. I like what he does in the media. I think some of his takes are just outlandish sometimes. I think some of the stuff he says is just, it is being said uh, going towards the contrary of a popular belief simply because it is contrarian. That's all I think it is sometimes with him. What he said about this situation, I just, I don't understand it. And it once again inflamed the whole thing. It seemed as though it might have been kind of going away a little bit. And then all of a sudden, RG3, I forget what it was. He, he went on somebody's show. It might have been Eisen again. Uh, that you know, I was talking about James Cook going on there the other day. It might have been that show. I can't remember. But he said, what he said, I just thought kind of re-inflamed this whole situation. Right? I, I don't get it. What does RG3 know about the Buffalo Bills and Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen? Prob does he know more than me? Probably. The guy played in the NFL, I hope he does. But he doesn't know what happened. Nobody does except for the guys involved. So that's why I come back to what I was just about to say. This is what you have to remember. It doesn't matter. Whatever happened a couple of weeks ago, don't let it bother you again until it is an issue again. Right now, it's not an issue. Something happened, absolutely. You have got to remember. And I want to talk about Stefan Diggs' role in this as well throughout the show tonight because I think that he is being looked at at a couple of different angles. I want to share the angle I perceive Stefan Diggs to be within when it comes to this situation. Because Stefan Diggs, it, it kind of looks like he might be the villain here. It kind of looks like Sean McDermott could be a villain here. It kind of looks like um, Josh Allen. I say Josh Allen, maybe I, I don't know. Josh Allen looks like a, a bit of a villain here. Potentially, based on what people are saying. Ken Dorsey looks like a villain here, potentially, based on what people are saying. You see how I keep saying based on what people are saying? Based on what people are saying. Right? What are they saying? They're just saying stuff. They're just saying. People are saying. If you got to end the comment with, well, I heard people are saying. 
You want to know what that means? It means whatever they're saying is probably a load of horse shit. Yeah, you know, people are saying. Who? Who's saying it? We're saying it. People aren't saying it. You heard it on Twitter. Well, people were saying this. You read it on Twitter. And people were saying Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, they hate each other. No, no, people aren't saying that. They're tweeting it because Stephon Diggs didn't show up for one practice. So now you have now made that your complete factual view of the situation. Now, so-and-so went on, uh, you know, Colin Collard went on, went on the other day and said, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, you know, or Stephon Diggs and Ken Dorsey, just it ain't going to work. Okay. And I love Colin Coward more than anybody. Listen to him every day. But is is Colin, is he he in the meetings with Bagula and Bean and McDermott and the gang? Not not last time I checked. It is a story simply for the sake of being a story. You have one of the top wide receivers in the league, one of the best teams in the league, one of the best wide receivers in the league, and therefore, wow, there's a bit of drama here. There's nothing going on except for baseball that nobody cares about unless you're a diehard baseball fan. The NFL season starts in 77 days. We got to find something to fill the pages with. Let's talk about how this could potentially be the worst thing that has ever happened to the Buffalo Bills franchise. What you have to remember is that all that matters in this current moment right now, and I'll give a lot of credit to them, The whole thing within that 24-hour period going on, I guess, probably a week. It was one of the most confused I've ever been as a Bills fan. And the reason I was so confused is because no one knew what was happening. Something was happening. McDermott went from saying he was very concerned to walking it back the next day and saying that he misspoke and he wasn't concerned at all. And he basically said that he excused Stephon Diggs from the practice, right? Like, it was almost like the Twilight Zone. It was a it was a glitch in the Matrix, where like one day we were in one simulation, and then like something happened, like I don't know, like a like a somebody went back in time and stepped on a, on, a, on a ladybug, and it and it completely alternated the universe. And now the next day, oh, what are you talking about? Nothing happened yesterday. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Diggs was here, and uh, you know he did his physical, and we had a chat, and I said, hey, you know what? Take the day off. Whatever happened within that little window there. Diggs is the type of guy I would imagine. We saw what he did in Minnesota. If Diggs wants out, he's going to get out. He's going to make it known. He's going to do whatever he's got to do. I'll give him credit for that. Like some of these guys, they 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 have whatever they have their their priorities in line or whatever, whatever they may be. All these different types of players have all these different types of priorities. And I think Stephon Diggs looked at the situation in Minnesota and realized it wasn't going to get much better. I am not going to base a early career with Kirk Cousins against a one-day blip in the matrix where Stephon Diggs didn't go to practice. Combine the two and say, well, because of X, right, why must also be true. They're, they're completely different. 
Everyone takes what happened with Stephon Diggs in Minnesota and says, oh, well, it's happening again here. No. Okay, for, for starters, your quarterback is Josh Allen. It's not Kirk Cousins. And I think 90% of the reason Stephon Diggs wanted to get out of Minnesota was because of that situation, because of that reason, right? And as we've seen, Minnesota, they've been a good team, but they have not elevated themselves since Stephon Diggs has left into being a Super Bowl contender. They lost to the Giants in the playoffs. Look, I understand. I get it. The Vikings beat us last year. They won, what, an infinite amount of one-score games. The Vikings were a hell of a fun team to watch. They have been, and they've been very competitive in the NFC, but they have not elevated themselves beyond what they were when Stephon Diggs was there. Hell, when Stephon Diggs was there, they went to the NFC Championship with Case Keenum. You could argue they've gotten worse. They, they, They have when it comes to playoff success. So he leaves, he goes to the Bills. They have had nothing but success. They have just not been able to get to what the expectation is. Right? And you mean to tell me that Stephon Diggs working his way out of Minnesota is correlated to Stephon Diggs having some sort of issue for a day here and then not showing up for a practice, but then immediately showing up the next day and you don't hear anything about it again? Let's look at what we actually know here. Let's just talk about what we actually know here for a second, right? What we know is something happened. Stephon Diggs didn't just take the day off because he, you know, he he wanted to kick his feet up an extra day. Something happened. We all know that. We know that Sean McDermott inflamed the situation by, it was just a lack of judgment, I think, in the word choice. Why he said he was very concerned, I don't know. It made no sense. The way he walked it back really made no sense when he said, I'm always concerned about all my, you know, all my players, especially those that are of significant support or is at, or are at uh, the importance level in which Stefan Diggs is to our team. It made no sense. The way, the way Sean McDermott said, you know, no, no, no. What I was saying is I'm always concerned about my guys. I'm always concerned about my guy. It didn't make any sense. Right. But that happened. What also happened is Stephon Diggs came back to practice. We have not heard about anything out of the team since. We have not heard Stephon Diggs publicly bash anybody. We have not heard Sean McDermott or anybody there publicly bash anybody, Josh Allen, say anything. Things seem to be good. That's the facts there from what we can see. Everything else, I don't even know what it is. All it is, is a rumor mill doing its best to continue to turn until the next story comes up that can take over that one. There's been nothing. That has been the problem here. It has been the unfortunate reality for the Bills the last couple of weeks. There has been nothing to talk about. You know, some of these, you know, like... You know, I listen to Dan Patrick and Colin Coward every day. They can talk about like Victor Wembanyama going to the Spurs, right? They can talk about that. Uh, they can talk about where DeAndre Hopkins might land. They can talk about Chris Paul going to the Golden State Warriors, right? They can talk about Bradley Beal going to the Suns. They got other stuff to talk about. But when you're thinking about when you're thinking about uh, like pro football talk, which I love with Mike Florio. I, I, look, I love Mike Florio. I love pro football talk. Right. I listen to them every day too. him and Chris Sims. 
They are currently. This is how. And this is how. This is how slow the media cycle is right now. Nobody is addicted more to talking about football on a daily basis in some sort of capacity than Mike Florio. The guy. It, it's every minute of every day. It is so slow currently in the NFL in the NFL news cycle. They are currently on Pro Football Talk, right? The 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 show. They are currently on a one month hiatus. They are not going live for a month. They do a football show every single day, Mike Florio and Chris Sims, every single day, except for right now. That's one know why because of how dead it is. And I think be, ever since this has come out, I think Mike Florio has written five different articles about this. And he'll be the first to admit it. I can't knock him. He's running a business. He'll be the first to admit it. It's something to talk about. All of these hypotheticals are just that, hypotheticals. So why not flush them out? Oh, there's turmoil in Buffalo? Oh, something's going on here? Does Stephon Diggs want to get traded? Yes, there are questions. Are they valid? Well, all you have to do is say, well, there's something here, so I'm going to create the validation from that and then run with it. And I can't blame him because a guy like Mike Florio, he doesn't talk about, he doesn't talk about basketball and baseball. He's all football. So he's got to write stuff. Mike Hartle coming in saying Florio is still doing his daily podcast. Yes, he's doing PFT PM, but him and Sims aren't doing pro football talk live in the morning. And that's because right now the news cycle's dead. And I just listened to Florio the other day. He, every, every day he's got something to talk about and it's usually just an OTA update or where's Dalvin cook and DeAndre Hopkins going to go. That's what this is right now. My whole point on this situation is just to show you how dead it truly is. And those that are covering the NFL exclusively really have absolutely nothing to talk about. And with this situation, when you're dealing with multiple stars in one of the best franchises in the, in the sport right now, you are able to extract a lot of different angles from this. You are able to extract how this affects the team going into the season. You are able to extract how this affects Stephon Diggs personally and whether or not he wants to be a Buffalo Bill. You are able to extract from this how this affects Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, which we're going to get into in a, in a minute here. You're able to go a million different directions with it, and that's what everybody has been doing here because, one, it's topical. Two, it gets clicks. And three, the biggest reason of all, there is nothing else to talk about. If DeAndre Hopkins gets signed tomorrow, if Dalvin Cook gets signed tomorrow, if they both get signed in a package deal somewhere tomorrow, that's the dominant story. And all of a sudden, you're going to notice this whole Stephon Diggs situation is going to get a lot less pub. The one thing you will notice, though, throughout the year here, and don't think you're not going to see it, and you better get used to it. Every time something bad happens with the Bills this year, this is going to be brought up, this. And this is what I can't stand about situations like this. And this is why I praise the Bills for so long as of late about their ability to avoid situations like this. Because what happens is you take, a, you take the molehill and you build Mount Everest out of it. Because... Once again, it's back to the ability to make a correlation for the sake of making a correlation. Say we go into the season and Stefan Diggs, you know, he gets seen on the sideline again, like he was with the, with, uh, during the Bengals game where he's got his hands up to Josh Allen, right? Say he's seen doing that again. That's going to immediately be a topic the next day. Oh, Stefan Diggs, he's had it once again with Josh Allen. Let's, let's take it back to June when he didn't show up to practice that one day. What's going on here? You know, that's going to, it's going to happen and it's probably going to happen numerous times. So fair warning right now, get ready for that. 
anything that goes wrong with this Bills offense this year in any capacity, anything that goes wrong with Diggs or Josh Allen, you better get ready to hear about this bullshit again. I promise you it's going to keep coming up and coming up and coming up. And that's why I hate this stuff because it's unnecessary distractions. Unfortunately, I think the Bills really did a, they really wanted to avoid this. It wasn't this long buildup thing, right? It just kind of happened. They handled it pretty poorly, but they got out of it immediately. The unfortunate reality is it just so happened to happen in the middle of a time period where nothing else is going on. And that's what kind of sucks about it. But I look at it for what it is. And what it is, is, is something that happened that was immediately either. And look, you can say it was, was it brushed under the rug? Deal about it at a later day? Maybe. But who cares? If it's not affecting the team, if it's not affecting the play on the field, why do I care? Why do I care? I would care if it was a much bigger issue. I would care if it was if it was Stefan Diggs not showing up for a week, if it was Stefan Diggs right threatening uh to demand a trade. Yes, then of course I would care. Of course I would. Because there's a reason to care. I am not going to look at a one-day blip as some reason for me to completely think the culture of a team that has built their way up to having one of the best in sports is on the verge of collapse. I'm not going to believe it. And you shouldn't either. It's bullshit. It's, it's not, it is being blown so far out of proportion simply for the sake of a story in a time in which there's just absolutely nothing else to talk about. And it's back to what I said earlier. I do not fault anybody for doing it because if it were, like I said, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, you know, we would be all over it. If it was Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, we would be all over it. It just unfortunately is happening with the Buffalo Bills. Look at the silver lining here, by the way. The biggest issue that the Bills have dealt with in the offseason and potentially a blemish on what's going on inside of the locker room the biggest issue, really, in the last couple of seasons is this. Sign me up. You got the Detroit Lions. How many guys got caught gambling in the locker room? How many? Multiple. You got that going on. Tyree Kill, once again, uh, he's facing a lawsuit once again. What is this, the third lawsuit in the last year or two for Tyree Kill? All these teams all over the place are constantly dealing with stuff. And it's, and it's always been one of my biggest praises of this team, the Buffalo Bills. They have done an extraordinary job of focusing on football. And if this is the biggest distraction and issue over the last couple of seasons here, sign me up all day. Because it's nothing. Until it is something again, I'm treating it as, as what, for what it is. And, for, and to me, what it is, is Stefan Diggs, clearly something was up. Whether it was, you know, they didn't, they didn't contact him enough in the offseason. Josh Allen wasn't reaching out enough in the offseason. He didn't like what happened at the end of the Bengals game. He didn't like Ken Dorsey's play calling. He didn't like them not going out and getting DeAndre Hopkins. Fill in the blank. Whatever. Maybe it was one of those situations. Maybe it was a combination of all of them. Maybe it was none of them. Who the hell cares? Because you want to know what? Stephon Diggs was in at practice the next day. Yes, 
Sean McDermott, God bless him, man. He had a, he was he was thrown to the walls. He had to go out there and say something. He backtracked it as best he could. He didn't want to come out and, and, and say exactly what happened because you're defending your player there. Whatever happened, you know, this is what I hate about the, the other aspect of the media, too, that sucks. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Sean McDermott's damned for backtracking the whole thing and not telling the truth, but he would also be damned if he came out and said, well, Stephon Diggs told me that he, uh, him and Ken Dorsey aren't going to work. Like, what if he came out and said that? Oh, all, all of a sudden the media is going to be like, ah, you know what? We really appreciate the honesty from Sean McDermott. No, they'd be like, oh, well, the bills are screwed. The bills are screwed. How could Sean McDermott come out and out his offensive coordinator like that? How could Sean McDermott come out and throw his wide receiver under the bus like that? You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Sean McDermott did the best he could, and they're moving on. You think they give a shit about this? Because they totally don't. And I got to tell you right now, I don't either. And 77 days from now, when the Bills kick it off at MetLife, we're not going to give a shit about it again either. And I'm telling you this right now. They're going to put it back in your face again. Ignore it. Ignore it. Unless Stephon Diggs is just bitching out Josh Allen on the sidelines. Unless Stephon Diggs is seen absolutely freaking out on Sean McDermott and Ken Dorsey. Unless Stephon Diggs goes to the podium after the game and has an absolute tirade. Unless Stephon Diggs goes to the media and demands a trade, forget this shit happened. Just forget it. Because it's so stupid. The fact that I've talked about this for 50 minutes is hilarious. The reason I've done so is because I want to make it perfectly clear that every time you've gone on your phone the last two weeks, you have seen something to do with this. You click on it, and then you're wondering to yourself, wait, what the hell is this? What is this? What do you mean? Who did who, who, What? How do you know about the personal relationship between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs? How do you know what happened in that locker room when no one else has, has a clue? Also, this is the other key the, the other key component here that I think a lot of people are ignoring, right? The more stories there are that are differentiating, right? The more stories there are that are completely different from one another, the more you know this is a heaping pile of bullshit. There have been four or five completely different stories about this situation. Let's talk about one right now. Let's talk about one right now and Robert Griffin III who had came out and talked about the relationship between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Now, this has been the flavor of the week so far. Last week or whenever this happened, the big talking point was a variety, a variety of different things, right? It was uh, Stephon Diggs and how he felt about uh, the play calling in the Bengals game. It was Stephon Diggs and his inability uh, to be given a chance to have a say in the offense was one of them that I heard. Stephon Diggs' uh, relationship with Ken Dorsey is one that I heard. Uh, Stephon Diggs wanting to be out of Buffalo and going to the Dallas Cowboys, right? That's one I've heard. That's the other thing, too, that everybody was trying to make a correlation out of as well because, oh, hey, I heard this on Twitter a couple of months ago. Maybe this is true. Remember when uh, Remember when the whole thing about Stephon Diggs wanting to go play with his brother, right, and Trayvon Diggs wanting him to go play with him? Oh, maybe Diggs wants to go to Dallas. No, maybe he's got a brother in the league and they're, they're messing around. Imagine you and your sibling are playing at the highest level of a sport at this capacity. You're both superstars in the sport. The idea of playing together is probably pretty cool. Doesn't mean you're going to demand it. I mean, what? You know, this, oh my God. Oh my God. When people saw that, 
you know, every time Stefan Diggs posts an Instagram, it seems to be the cover of the New York Post when it comes to these bills and what we're talking about on a daily basis. Who cares? All these guys do this. Right? It, the social media aspect of things, and God bless Stefan Diggs. He couldn't be more cryptid. It's doing, it, it's doing none of us any favors. You can't decipher any of it. But all these wide receivers do this. They all tweet out an Instagram post, the most random stuff. 99% of the time, it means nothing. Half the time, it's like a music lyric, right? And people are like, well, what the hell does this mean? Nothing. The guy's listening to Jay-Z, bro. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Go back to when Trevon, Trayvon Diggs and, and, and Stefan Diggs were, they, there was something, an exchange on Instagram about uh, Trayvon Diggs wanting Stefan Diggs to come to Buffalo. There were people actually actively talking about that happening. They just, they just signed Diggs to a contract extension. He was the biggest blockbuster trade these bills have made in forever. They're going to just send him to Dallas because his brother plays there. People were believing that people will eat up anything. And that is why these articles continue to get written because they get clicked. I will not click on them except for right now because I did click on this one because I thought it was hilarious. And the reason I thought this was hilarious is because I don't understand where this is coming from. I don't get it. Robert Griffin III, because everybody's got to have an opinion on this situation. RG3 said, all right, let me put mine out into the ether. This is what RG3 had to say. Quote, him, in referring to Stefan Diggs, and Josh Allen seemed to have a bromance rolling. It's, it felt like for years there, until there was a problem with their game. I'm, I'm going to read this like it is a, um, like a dramatic novel. Because I, I I still reading this it I'm just gonna I'm gonna read it I'm gonna read it in a fun way. Him and Josh Allen seem to have a bromance rolling. It felt like for years there until there was a problem with the oh my god my girlfriend just scared the hell out of me. Caroline, I'm doing one of your favorites where I'm doing I'm, I'm reading something in a very uh pers- in a very uh fun way. I was listening the whole time. Oh, okay. It was very good. I'll do things with her like while well, I'll, I'll like if I get like if I see something funny from someone that we are we're friends with, I'll like read it in their voice. You know, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm trying to make this entertaining for myself because I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. The, the, the football needs to start. I think Caroline's getting scared, man. As much as she hates how much time I dedicate to football, I think she would appreciate. You know, at least at least I have something, right? Yeah. 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 Can you imagine Caroline out with her friends? Like, ah, at least he's got football. You know, <laughs> God. All right, you're what? Oh my God! I thought Caroline just said she brought home a cat. She's gonna go see the neighbor's cat. I thought she just said she got a cat downstairs. I don't need to be dealing with that tonight. She's on this whole thing right now. She wants a cat. Caroline's a big cat person. I'm gonna cave. Not that it's not that I'm like, oh, go ahead. Like not that I have to be like sign sign the permission slip. It's just that I'm not a huge cat person, but I'll cave. I, I don't mind. But then now all of a sudden we're up to like two cats. Now we want to get two cats. Because she said that if you get one cat, then you got to get another cat because they're better in pairs. And I'm like, you know, whatever. Just don't bring it home randomly because I work from home. Caroline doesn't. Who's going to be taking care of the cat? 
this guy, this guy, right? I'm not a cat expert. And we babysat her brother's cat, and he's got one of those, like, hairless cats, man. And I would wake up, and that thing would be on, like, my head, and it would scare the shit out of me. And I'd be working, and that thing would all of a sudden pounce from, like, the top of the, the ceiling down on my keyboard, freak me out. And, I'm, and I, and I got to, like, pick up after it because it's doing a bunch of stuff, you know? Either way. My bad. I thought you just said she brought a cat home. I just I didn't feel like dealing with it. Okay, here is Stefan D- here is Robert Griffin the third. Here is his take on what he thinks is happening in Buffalo. He, all the turmoil in Buffalo, the absolute bitter divide between Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, the organization. It is just a mess. RG3 says, quote, him and Josh Allen seem to have a bromance rolling. It felt like for years there until there was a problem with their game against the Bengals in the playoffs, RG3 said. So I think it's clear this is a personal thing between Diggs and Allen. And they have to get their partnership back on the field. And that's part of playing quarterback. I think Josh Allen's running into that right now. Everything is fine until it's not fine in a relationship when it comes to a quarterback and a wide receiver like Diggs. So Josh has to manage that relationship the right way. And I think he's the only one that can rectify. Okay. So you mean to tell me, and he said it himself, Josh Allen and Diggs seem to have a bromance rolling. It felt like for years there. You mean to tell me, and a game in which was over at halftime, where the defense simply were, it wasn't going to happen. It just, listen, the offense in that game, the Cincinnati game, it was, it was abysmal. But it, it was not going to happen. It wasn't. That game was over. It was over at half. Done. You know it. I know it. Over. You mean to tell me that because this is what they're referring to this it continues on here right i've talked quote i've talked with people close to the situation and really what it boils down to is in that game against the Bengals, Diggs was the most targeted receiver in that game i think he had 10 targets in that game rg3 said but when they were down 17 let me rephrase that, or let me re-say that. But when they were down 17, they had a 10-play drive that ended in a turnover on downs, and Diggs only got one ball thrown his way. So you would think that a player of Diggs' caliber, with the relationship that he has with Josh Allen in those moments, he would look to him more often, and that didn't happen. It was after that drive where the cameras caught Stephon Diggs yelling at Josh Allen. Are you kidding me? You're trying to tell me that in a game in which you're getting your ass kicked, no one came out of the locker room. The defense didn't. The offense didn't. That game was over at halftime. Stick a fork in it. You mean to tell me in a game in which Stephon Diggs did get 10 targets that the drive that was the straw that broke the camel's back was a drive in which 
Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offense were going down to try and put a dent into a 17-point lead, you mean to tell me that it was in that drive, in that game, that all of a sudden the years-long bro-ship between Diggs and Allen, it's done, donezo. It was in that moment where we all saw it evaporate, where the Bills, who had already, the game was just, it was over. It was done. But it was in that moment where Diggs said, you know what, Allen, go to hell. Does that make any sense to you? It literally says in the drive where the Bills were down 17 with Diggs already having 10 targets, it seems as though Diggs falling out with Allen occurs on that drive because he only got one target. Let me talk about what I think. I want to just, because I'm not trying to go after RG3 or anybody. I'm trying to go after the situation in a hole here because everybody's got something to say about it. And I'm, I'm about to have something to say about it too. But I want to preface this first, which nobody else seems to ever do. I might be right. I very well am going to be wrong. Either way, who the hell cares? Who the hell cares? I am not going to sit here and act like I know anything. And I think a lot of people out there act like they do, right? I've heard from so-and-so who's tapped in. Well, who is it that's tapped in? Who is it? Because if that truly is the case, well, then that to, that to me is... It, it, I'm trying to think here. You mean to tell me, I, I just cannot for a, a second here possibly fathom that that, like the specifics of that make no sense at all. How could that be the biggest issue? Here's what I think, okay? It's easy to look at Stefan Diggs in that moment, that Bengals game. Look at what he, remember the whole, there was a whole other thing too about, I'm not even going to get into it. There was a whole other thing about Diggs being mad at Allen because he wasn't focused on the game. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. There, there were so many other rumors about this because of the shot of Diggs. Let me offer this one up for for for, for, a, for an off the, uh, like, out of nowhere, out of this world type take. Ready for this one? Maybe he was infuriated they were getting their ass kicked. You ever thought about that? Because I know I sure as hell was. I was sick to my stomach. And I'm not out on the field. Let me offer up this hot take for you. Maybe Diggs had his hands up in the air because he's saying, what in the living hell is going on? We're getting our teeth kicked in. Is that fair to say? Could that possibly have been it? Do you think he was singling out Josh Allen? Josh Allen isn't the one who got ran all over on defense. You think Diggs might have maybe had his hand up in the air in frustration because they were getting their ass handed to him? Here's where I defend Stephon Diggs here. Okay, in this whole situation. You can call him a diva about the, about the uh, you know, the Minnesota Vikings thing and whatever. You got to remember, wide receivers are they're different, man. Like Stephon Diggs was just out in London or whatever for the... Uh, Louis Vuitton fashion show. He was literally in the Louis Vuitton fashion show. Wide receivers, they're all like this. Wide receivers are very eccentric and they're very, they're like the cool guys of the team, right? 
And they're the, they've always been viewed as the ones that have to be handled in a special way because they're very delicate and this and that. It's not just Stefan Diggs. Ever since the, that was the biggest red flag about, about Stefan Diggs coming into this team. You remember coming in from Minnesota? Stefan Diggs, right? Oh, he's such a diva. Oh, he's such a drama queen out in, out in Minnesota. He's going to do the same thing with Josh Allen. He's going to do the same exact thing. That's all anybody said. Nothing has happened except two bitter exits to the season. That is when we had seen Stefan Diggs show emotion. Do you not want him to? I defended him that weekend. You can go back and pull the, the show up. The post-game show, Bills, Bengals. I defended him that show. Because he was getting ripped on for bitching to Josh Allen all the way back then. And I have the same exact stance on it today. You don't want him to be pissed about that? You don't want Stephon Diggs in a game where it seemed the Bills didn't get off the bus to be mad in a, in a team, in a season in which they were the Super Bowl favorites, in a season in which they win 13 games, in a season in which everyone had the utmost and highest expectations for them. You don't want Stephon Diggs to get mad when they're getting their absolute ass handed to him at home, not even remotely competing in that game. And he's the bad guy for throwing his hands up in the air on the sideline, wondering what in the absolute hell is going on, just like the rest of all of us were. And then in addition to that, you're gonna take what you're gonna take that and drive it into the ground and trying to analyze every little element of it outside of what it more than likely probably is. And it's just him being absolutely infuriated at the fact that that team did not show up in the biggest game of the season, a year removed from losing in the most heartbreaking fashion you could possibly imagine. We all remember Stefan Diggs staying out at Arrowhead Field, looking out into the distance, wondering what the hell had just happened. I'm sure that was fresh on his mind as well as soon as he realized it was happening again in just a much worse capacity when it came to the outcome of the game. The guy was pissed as we all were, and I appreciated the emotion. Because it seemed as though there was absolutely none in existence out on that field during the game. So pardon Stefan Diggs for showing even a shred of life on that sideline saying, hey, you know, I'm a little bit uh, perplexed and pissed off here. My biggest, my just the, the, the saddest thing about that game to me, and this is back to when I was talking about me just being at an absolute low point at, at that time as a Bills fan. The reason I was so upset, it wasn't because of the of the score. It wasn't because they weren't going to win it all last year, even though it was supposed to happen, right? It was because they the effort. And we'll never be able to quantify it. They won't even be able to themselves. And I know a lot of it has to do with what went on in that season. And I think they were just gas and this and that. You can add it all up. But at the end of the day, excuses are excuses. You got to play the game in front of you. And it's the biggest game of the year. And what happened to, what, what happened to unfold in that, in that, particular game was probably the worst effort put forward by this Bills team under Josh Allen that I have seen. It was absolutely abysmal. It was atrocious. It was unwatchable. They were completely outcoached, outplayed, outmanned. You name it, it happened. It was brutal. 
And the takeaway from that is supposed to be Stefan Diggs being the bad guy for being mad about that. I, 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 I don't buy it. I, I think it's just, I think it's the biggest load of shit. I think it's crazy. If RG3 were to have said, I think Stefan Diggs is super frustrated about the way that, that things ended last year. If he would have just said that, I, I would agree with him. But you mean to tell me that he's he's down to the specifics of the fact that Stephon Diggs is mad that Josh Allen on a drive down by 17 only threw him the ball once? I'll, I'll, let me just let you in on, on this little bit of information. If the Bills went down and Stephon Diggs scored a touchdown on that drive, they're still losing that game. Hate to tell you. Hate to break you that, you know, that crazy uh, news story. They weren't winning that game. It was evident. It was pretty much evident from the from the beginning of the game. Don't you remember? It, it just it came out, and you like, dude. I, I remember sitting there in the first quarter, kind of being like, I, "I can't believe this." Like, I just I, you could already see it. You could already just tell. You know, like sometimes you just get a feel. Like I, in that Chiefs game, it just felt like two years ago. It just felt like they, they were never gonna die, right? It just felt like they weren't gonna die. You never felt like they were, like up until, of course, the last Gabe Davis touchdown. You never really felt the Bills were just going to lay down and get rolled like they did the year prior in the AFC Championship. It never felt that way. It looked like they were there to play, baby. And even though they didn't lose, this is back to the hype that was going into the season last year, right? Remember? The reason for that hype is because of what the Bills put out on display against the Chiefs in a loss. In a loss. The expectations for the Buffalo Bills skyrocketed beyond proportion because of a loss. That's how well they played. That's how well they showed up. That's how much effort they put in. They did not quit. Right? Last year was the complete opposite. The reason you were so sick about the Bills' loss to the Chiefs is because they should have won it. They could have won it. They played unbelievable. You sit, to, you, sit, you sit there and think to yourself, oh, my God, Gabe Davis might have just had the best wide receiver performance anybody's ever had in a playoff game. Josh Allen might have just played the best quarterback performance we've ever seen in a playoff game. Easily probably the best quarterback performance we'll ever see from a Buffalo Bill in a playoff game. You're sitting there and you're like, all of this culminated in a loss. I am going to vomit. You were sick because of the, of the ending that came out of an incredible performance last year. You were sick because the ending was, was a result of an absolute piss poor effort an absolute no show. That's what last year was. So Stefan Diggs should absolutely unequivocally 100% be furious. You think we're furious as fans dedicating the time we do to this team every year watching it. Imagine putting your whole life into building that success yourself on the field. And then within a 60 minute time span of not showing up at home, you get absolutely steamrolled in all of it's for nothing. You go into that season last year with those expectations. They put all that work in. They overcome all those obstacles. They win 13 games. They're there. They're on their way. They're at home in a divisional game, right? and they get destroyed, completely outclassed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's amazing we don't see people 
blow up more than that. Like, how is it? These are the biggest alpha male. Like, we're talking about primal, ungodly, unearthly type athletes with the drive and motivation at such a high point that it results in them becoming quite literally some of the most impressive specimens on the planet. And they are somehow almost always, it is honestly, the more you think about it, like how the malice in the palace, right, with the Indiana Pacers back in the day, like how that stuff doesn't happen more often, honest to God, it is truly remarkable. Think about all that goes into the mentality of being an athlete and how 99% of the time they're able to turn it off in moments where it all comes crashing down. They're able to control themselves and keep their composure. It's very impressive. So with all that in mind, all that goes into this sport, all that goes into getting to where you want to be and getting to where they were in that season. Stephon Diggs putting his hands up to Josh Allen is some sort of crime. We have been, we have been, not we, but whoever, people, media, whatever, they have been trying to extract some. This was like, Diggs not going to the OTA there. This was like Christmas Day for people waiting on a reason to just shit on Josh Allen and the Bills and Diggs. This was Christmas Day for the people who had the opinion on the day when the Bills made the trade for Stephon Diggs that it was never going to work because it didn't work with with, uh, Kirk Cousins and he demanded his way out. And because of that, and at the time, you know, Josh Allen hadn't become Josh Allen yet. It was going to happen with Josh Allen as well. That was Christmas Day for those people a couple of weeks ago, right? Because they're saying, ha, told you. You know, even though you've been, over the last five seasons, uh, one of the three best teams in the NFL, ha, because of Stephon Diggs, by the way, ha, told you it wasn't going to work. Told you. Oh, Diggs didn't show up to the first practice? Oh, but he's there the next day? Doesn't matter. (laughs) Told you it wasn't going to work. Oh, God, I told you. Diggs, he hates, I'll tell you what, he hates Josh Allen. The relationship they've seen, you know, cover Sports Illustrated together, constantly seen, uh, playing video games together, talking to each other, uh, uh, you know, uh, social media, and, and constantly seeming like they are just the best of pals. Oh, my God. When Stefan Diggs put his hands up to Josh Allen on the sidelines after getting their ass kicked in the playoffs, it was in that moment that you could tell that Diggs no longer loved Josh Allen. He hated him. Oh, you could just tell in that moment. He put his hands up and he said, damn it. It's all your fault, Josh. I hate you. Like, what? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Why does it have to be anybody's fault? Why does it have to be anybody's fault as to why Stefan Diggs is upset? Why can't he just be upset at the fact that it was a culmination of the entire team's fault that resulted in that piece of shit game we saw against the Bengals uh, a couple of months ago, right? Why can't he just be mad for the sake of being mad at the outcome of what happened. We all were mad. Diggs isn't allowed to be. The RG3, the RG3 reasoning to me is just, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. 
also you I, I i don't understand how that could linger the way it would the way that they're in um they're insinuating that it that it has this long you think Diggs is hanging on to the the one target on the drive where they were down 17 think he's been hanging on to that this long just with a with a unbelievable anger and he couldn't wait to take it out on the bills and not show up to i, I don't get it now here's what i will say I think the way that these Bills have exited the last two seasons has absolutely 100% shaken up Stephon Diggs and the way he, you know, views uh, things. I don't, I, I don't think that that's really an argument. I think that that's inevitable. In, in both games, we have two iconic shots of nobody else but Stephon Diggs at the end of them. The iconic shot of Josh, of Stephon Diggs staring out at Arrowhead. The iconic shot of Stephon Diggs with his hands up on the sideline. Stephon Diggs wants to win, man. He wanted out of Minnesota because they weren't going to win there. They weren't, he wasn't going to win there. They were going to do fine, right? They were going to be in the mix, but he knew with Kirk Cousins, the way that that thing was going out in Minnesota, you know, it, it was not going to be a place where he was going to be able to solidify himself as a champion. He went to the Bills because he looked at Josh Allen as an opportunity to upgrade from Kirk Cousins and approach that next step that he was looking to attack. Stephon Diggs is an ultimate competitor, an ultimate just like the guy who wants to win at all costs type guy. And I think that these losses have definitely eaten at him, and I can't see why they wouldn't. They have eaten at me, and I'm a fan. I understand, and I'm sure he understands as well, to a much larger capacity. You know, he can't play forever. And they just had two years of his absolute prime end in a very, very unsatisfactory way. Unsatisfying way. Now, to to put a bow on this and kind of transition to the, to the McDermott Bean extension. To put a bow on this as we have just rambled on about this for about an hour 20. And the reason we did this, I'm not talking about it again. I'm not. This is so stupid. This is so dumb. Look, Stephon Diggs, he, he is who he is. Josh Allen, he is who he is. All these players are individual guys, and all of them need to be handled differently. And I think we all know that maybe more than other guys, Stephon Diggs is more emotional. I think he's more passionate. I think he is um, much more likely to... Uh, express himself uh, uh, surrounding those elements more than other players might be. All I know is up until this point, Stefan Diggs has been an absolute godsend for these Buffalo Bills. He's been an absolute saving grace for Josh Allen and his ability to, to elevate his game to another level. There have been so many positive things that have happened, almost entirely positive, for both this offense and this organization since Stephon Diggs has, had been handed a, a Buffalo Bills jersey. I am not, nor should anybody, nor should anyone, going to try and tear down the relationship between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. I'm not going to tear down the culture that these Bills have worked very hard to solidify. I'm not going to tear down how I view 
this team going into the season, how I view, view Stephon Diggs and what he's going to bring to the table this season, how I view how him and Josh Allen will play together this season. I'm not going to tear any of that down based on a practice that was missed in June that was immediately rectified and never happened again. You have been told the last two weeks that Stephon Diggs could potentially be traded. You have been told the last two weeks Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen are in the middle of a falling out. You have been told over the last two weeks that Stephon Diggs is in jeopardy when it comes to being in Buffalo, wanting to be in Buffalo. You have been told countless things that have absolutely no definitive proof. None of them. The only proof we have, or the only factual thing we have in front of us here is the fact that Diggs, no, he did not go to practice that first day. He went the next day. It was a very weird week, a very weird couple of days, and it's done. Haven't heard about it since from anybody else but people writing a story for the sake of a story. Look at it for what it is, and what it is is hopefully something we don't have to worry about again. But as of right now, I'm not worrying about it because I don't know what there is to worry about. Stephon Diggs could easily have had a problem going into the offseason with Dorsey, with that particular game, with the Bengals game, with, with a variety of different things. Maybe it was a personal thing. Who the hell knows? Who knows? But to put a bow on it, it's a, it's a big nothing. That's how I feel. Uh, so what came from this was something that I was not expecting. Was absolutely not expecting. I think this came out of complete left field, and I think you know that to be true because uh, Rico and I and, and a variety of us, we've had conversations throughout the offseason about Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and what the future's looking like. It was just two weeks ago. It was literally just two weeks ago where Rico and I were having a very in-depth discussion about the hot seat in which Sean McDermott was potentially approaching this coming season. And I had said that I don't think that Sean McDermott is on a hot seat. I think the seat is warmer than it's ever been since he's come to Buffalo. But I also, if you remember, if you tune into that show, I had gone through all of the positive things that have happened for these Buffalo Bills, all of these successes they have had that they weren't close to obtaining before Sean McDermott came around. The exits the last couple of seasons, of course, have been the main focal point, and that's what sticks out when it comes to talking about Sean McDermott, and that's why these conversations were even being had. But I went back through and took a look at everything else, the whole body of work outside of the failures, and it said, look it, yes, if, if Sean McDermott comes into this season with another brutal exit in the playoffs, right, a defensive collapse in which he is now solely responsible for because he is the defensive coordinator, right? If this all happens, yes, I think that they are going to look at Sean McDermott in a different light than they did just a couple of seasons ago. But that, of course, does not mean the seat is hot. I had just felt that the seat was covered in, in snow is what I said at one point. And I think now 
you're looking at a, 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 I think at that point, this was before, of course, the extension. I think you were looking at the snow-covered seat for the first time. You were just looking at it thinking, hmm, maybe we should start to consider taking some snow off of it a little bit. Yes. So now, all of a sudden, it goes from, is McDermott on the hot seat to, oh, my God, McDermott, he's extended. Oh, man, Brandon Bean, he's extended. This came out of nowhere. And I think it's a direct correlation to the Stephon Diggs situation. I think it's also a direct correlation to a lot of the heat that has been put on this organization over the last couple of seasons. So let's take a look at it from a couple of perspectives, because I think there's a couple of ways to look at this. If you're a McDermott hater or a McDermott lover, I think there's two ways to look at this that are satisfactory to both people, to both sides of the fence. I also think that there's a variety of different ways to view why they did this when they did and what this potentially means for these bills. So let's get into it. Why did it happen when it happened? Well, Let's think about what's going on currently and what is in front of the Bills as of right now, what is in front of Sean McDermott in particular. Brandon Bean, I'm not going to focus on very much here with this extension because to me, I mean, if you got, if you didn't want to extend Brandon Bean, then I, I mean, you can just, I, I, I got nothing to say to you. I, I don't know. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to say to you? Like, what, what am I supposed to say to you? If, you, if you're not convinced now that Bean is the best solution at GM for this team, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon if you were to just move off of him and magically try to go find somebody else. If you uh, are not sold on Brandon Bean and think that you could find better next year and that he wasn't worth an extension, uh, there's no selling you at this point. There's no selling. If you're not sold by now, you're never going to be sold. You just hate the guy. So not going to focus much on Brandon Bean here because to me, uh, inevitable. You extend Brandon Bean until he doesn't want to be around anymore or until it's something just catastrophic happens where you're like, yeah, we got to move on. Until that moment, Bean, he, he will always be in my good graces, and I want him representing these Buffalo Bills for the longest amount of time. Love Brandon Bean, everything that he has done for this team. I mean, how quick, How many times do I have to say this on here? I, I, I always do it, though, because I always want to be the person to be the, the reminder for you. What... What all of this was not all that long ago, before Brandon Bean, McDermott, Josh Allen, this was the pinnacle of mediocrity in sports, the Buffalo Bills. They were the laughing stock of the NFL. They were an absolute definition of mediocrity. Never bad enough to get the top pick, never good enough to win it all or make the playoffs. They were stuck in a rut for 20 years. And it was just abysmal. It was, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no way you can describe it unless you live through it as a Bills fan. You all know what I'm talking about. No need to sit here and harp on it. But you know what that reality was. You also know what that reality is now. No, the Bills have not won a Super Bowl yet. Yes, that is the expectation. But I'll be damned. I will be damned if I am going to try and knock down anything that's happened up until this point. For just for the sake of doing so, when I look at what all of this used to be on, on an amount of years that I can count, uh, you know, like you, you really reflect on how fast time has gone here. And not all that long ago, it was a completely different circumstance, just a completely different circumstance. Right. So. 
the the Brandon Bean situation, uh, just to me, what's the point in talking about why he's extended? I think we all know why. I don't even know what do you what do you what do you say? What do you say? Um. So let's talk about Brand, let's talk about Sean McDermott in particular. I think that it was it was um, an interesting time to do this, and I also was not expecting them really to do it at all. Um. Let's talk about the timing of it. In Sean McDermott's particular case, let's look at the upcoming couple of months. Let's look at the previous month or two here. The previous month, or the, let's let's go, let's see, let's rephrase that. Let's look at the previous few months here. You know what? Let's rephrase, let's rephrase that even further. Let's look at the past here a bit, the future here a bit. I don't want to constrain myself. So we're looking at Sean McDermott here and the body of work. And back to what I said, not going to harp on it again. It has been a lot better than just two playoff losses that we all tend to focus on the last couple of seasons. It has been a lot better than that, right? There have been a lot more positives than negatives. Unfortunately, the only thing that matters in this league is win in advance in the playoffs. The Bills have not done that the last two years. And that is, of course, the focal point. Um, but Sean McDermott has been the best representation of the Buffalo Bills from the head coaching standpoint uh, in my lifetime. And I, I don't know if it's even... I don't even know if it's even remotely close. Remotely close. And that's coming from a variety of different angles. It's coming from, of course, the success on the field. And you could argue that anybody could have had the success that the, the, the Bills have had. Any coach could have done that. You could argue that. You really could. With the roster the Bills have had as of late, you could argue that many coaches could have had success. But at the same time, you look at the Denver Broncos record, or the Denver Broncos uh, roster last year, and Nathaniel Hackett got absolutely booed out of his job within less than a year. So there are guys who can absolutely royally screw up a phenomenal roster, but you could really make the argument that any competent coach could have had success with these bills, but it goes so much further than that. In my opinion, Sean McDermott has had these bills performing at one of the best defensive levels. Any team has performed at in the time span in which he has been the head coach of the Buffalo bills. They have had one of the best defenses in the league since that time period, right? They have made the playoffs every single year, except for Josh Allen's, rookie season, something they had not done for more than two decades or nearly two decades prior to that, right? He made the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor and a team that was just hoping to God to cling on to something for a while until the Bills could, could get a franchise guy, until the Bills could turn the page on the, on the next chapter here and try and once again pursue success. He has also represented this team extraordinarily well from a character perspective, from the face of the front office, so to speak, from the phrase, you know, the representation of the bills. It goes through a variety of different channels. Of course, primarily it's Josh Allen, but then it goes to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And I think both of them just world-class world-class when it comes to who they are as human beings, the way they represent the organization, the way that they treat others, 
and the way that they are leader of leaders of men, in particular, Sean McDermott. I think he is an absolute leader of men. I think these guys respect him. I think he respects them. I think he's got an absolute infinite amount of love for the players, for the city of Buffalo, for the team. And I don't think the guy gets enough credit for how hard he works. I think he works extraordinarily hard. And because of Josh Allen, anytime the Bills have success, it's not because of Sean McDermott. No one gives Sean McDermott any credit for success. They only give him criticism for the Bills' failure. That's the problem when you're a defensive head coach like Sean McDermott, right? When you're looking at Andy Reid, a guy who seems to be conjoined with the success of uh, Patrick Mahomes because he is, it's it, it's kind of a, a fluctuating scale that they both ride up and down on together. When I, When you look at the Bills... A lot of people never want to give Josh Allen any fault. A lot of people never want to give specific star players any fault. So, okay, let's blame Sean McDermott. But when things go well, when the Bills have an historic playoff win against the New England Patriots, to the likes of which we've never seen, we might not ever see that again. I mean, I don't think we'll ever realize truly just how extraordinary that win was. But, you know, afterwards... It wasn't like everybody was just praising Sean McDermott. And then the following week, when you lose to the to the Chiefs in a game where the Bills played exceptionally well, I mean, unbelievably well, and lose, it was almost like you completely forgot what they had done the week before, the coaching job Sean McDermott had done against Bill Belichick. You completely forget about that and immediately start criticizing how bad he coached that end of the Chiefs game, even though... 59 minutes prior to that were it was just a phenomenal football game. I, for one, well, of course I gave Sean McDermott criticism after that game. Of course I did. The ending of that was unacceptable, but I also don't define him by that. People do that. There's a difference. Yes, of course you give criticism. You, you can't play prevent defense with 13 seconds left against potentially the best quarterback we've ever seen. You can't do that. You can't. You got one of the best quarterbacks to ever play, one of the best tight ends to ever play, one of the best coaches to ever coach. You can't give them an inch. You gave them a mile. Of course, you got to criticize that. But I'm also aware of the fact that they coached an exceptionally great game the rest of it. I'm also aware of the fact the amount of points the Chiefs scored were indicative of the fact of that they are that good. The Bills also scored that many points on the other end because they are that good. Ultimate criticism was focused completely on the end of that game. I don't think there's a, a whole lot else you can do with with the way the rest of the game went. Just it, it's you got two unbelievable offenses going at it, right? The week prior was one of the greatest coaching jobs and one of the greatest performances that we've ever seen as Bills fans. It was extraordinary, but you just don't remember it. So what I'm getting at here is every time there's success with these bills, it's not really given to Sean McDermott. It's given to Josh Allen. It's given to Brandon Bean. But Sean McDermott's been right there this whole time. So as of late, a lot of the success the bills have had and anything positive that has gone on around these bills has been forgotten about when it comes to Sean McDermott, right? You, We, we are now um, going into this season, and the main storylines for the bills are as follows, right? or at least they were prior to the uh, to the extension here. Sean McDermott, hot seat. Are they wasting Josh Allen's talent? Why can't they get over the hump? Why is Stephon Diggs 
having a falling out with the team. Can the are, are the Bills um, the third best team in the AFC East? Uh, are, are the Bills even a top five team anymore? Right? Are the Bills in the conversation for a Super Bowl with the likes of the the Bengals and the Chiefs? These are the storylines now, right? These are the storylines. A year ago, one year ago, it was, will you take the Bills or the field? That was the conversation. Things have, they have switched dramatically. Welcome to the world of sports, where, <laughs> I mean, whatever happened yesterday, whatever happened today, it is going to be completely different tomorrow and the next day. That's the world we live in when it comes to sports. That's why we love it, but it's also just a wild ride sometimes. It really is. Right? The storylines almost all, almost primarily have been they have been uh less than satisfactory, I would say, when it comes to the way I view it. Uh, this this is uh a heavier offseason, a heavier year coming up than it's felt like it's been in the last couple of seasons. And that's been primarily put on the weight of, of Sean McDermott. And, you know, he has to go out and deal with this, this dig situation recently. It didn't really look that great on him because he had to backtrack at all. Was it even his fault? Was he even involved with it? Who knows? Back to what we just spent an hour on. I have no idea. No one does. I don't even know if Sean McDermott had a, had a clue that Stefan Diggs wasn't going to come to practice that day until he found out in the moment who knows but he's of course the one that has to go out and uh you know fan the flames on the whole thing and and and, and then and put the flames out like it's a, it's a tough job to do when you're not necessarily sure what's going on thrown to the wolves so that adds another thing to sean mcdermott's plate on top of a plate as of right now that is the biggest he's had in front of him since he has been a head coach this is the biggest year for sean mcdermott so why extend him when they did well, it's for those reasons. I think it was a smart move optically. I think when you look at the optics of the extension, when they did it, I thought it was an A-plus move. Here's why. Stefan Diggs and all that stuff's happening. And in the midst of that, you say, look it, nothing to see here. Whether that's true or not, the message sent here is, Nothing to see here. We don't have a problem with the way Sean McDermott's running this team. We don't have the way we don't have a problem with the way uh, Brandon Bean is orchestrating the front office. We don't have a problem with dealing with our players, and we're going to prove that by signing the two most important guys when it comes to representing the team outside of the players. We're going to resign. We're going to we're going to extend them right now. We're going to show you. There's nothing to see here. There's no problem here. Because if there was a problem, we would never extend these guys. We, we, we just would not actively look to extend guys that we think are a detriment to the team. The message sent here, these guys are good for the Buffalo Bills. And despite what you are hearing right now, another, another feather in the cap that represents how untrue a lot of the things you've been hearing recently are. This shows you more evidence here. We have actual tangible evidence here, an extension for Bean and McDermott. This shows you that a lot of the negative things you're hearing right now are just a lot of hearsay. Things are kind of ticking up recently. Diggs is at practice, and you're not hearing about anything bad happening there. Ticking up compared to where it was, where he wasn't there. Hot seat for McDermott, whatever. Is, uh, you know, 
is his future in jeopardy, whatever. Contract extension, ticking up there. The reason you do that when you do, it sends that message. It sends a positive message to the fan base, to the NFL as a whole. Things are good in Buffalo. No need to worry here, right? Another vital reason for the timing, in my opinion, I have no idea if this was a factor or not. If it wasn't, I think that either way, the way I see it, it, it uh, a very smart move going into the season. Let's go, let's go back to the plate I was just talking about in front of McDermott, how big that plate is. You're, the, the stakes are so high for these Bills. It has been Super Bowl or bust ever since Josh Allen has, has arrived. And when I say arrived, I mean arrived to the stature he's at now, where we have realized he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and the Bills have one of the best rosters in the league. It has then evolved to it has been Super Bowl or bust, and that has not been achieved. achieved. So, of course, the pressure mounts and mounts every time you fail and get another crack at it. As you run out of time to do it, of course, the pressure mounts. More pressure on McDermott this year, especially after the exit last season and the season prior. You look at two straight seasons where you could say the defense had an, you know, an exceptionally tough time in the playoffs. You could really see that this past season. They got rolled over by Miami, right? And it wasn't even it wasn't even a contest against the Bengals. And then in the year prior, once again, 13 seconds. A lot of those things fall on McDermott, right? So you have you have that on his plate. The Diggs thing on his plate. The pressure of the Super Bowl on his plate. Josh Allen's window, his time, his prime on his plate. McDermott gets a lot of the blame for Josh Allen's shortcomings because it is seen as, oh, you have Josh Allen, you need to win a Super Bowl. That falls on Sean McDermott. Even though it is it is incredibly hard, even though the AFC right now might be the best it has ever been in the history of the league, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. You have Josh Allen, baby, you better get one or you're screwed. I don't care how good the division's going to be this year. I don't care how loaded the AFC is. You got Josh Allen, boom, expectations are set, and you better deliver. So there's that. You also have on his plate Leslie Frazier leaving, and what has that resulted in? Well, of course, the main entree on that plate, and that is Sean McDermott now being the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. That is resulting in this being the biggest season of his career here, of his tenure in Buffalo. Because there is nobody else to put the blame on defensively. I'm sure Ken Dorsey will continue to be a major scapegoat for this team. He was last year. Anytime there was an offensive flux, it was always Ken Dorsey's fault, right? Defensively, it was always Leslie Frazier's fault. There's nobody to blame this year. Nobody. So in addition to all those other things I just mentioned, the defensive shortcomings that we have seen in the playoffs, if those happen again, it's McDermott and there's nobody else. That's it. And that goes throughout the entire full season as well. If there's a setback on defense, which 
I don't anticipate because I think the defense is set up right now. I absolutely love what this defense currently is on paper, but it's on paper, right? There are a variety of factors that could result in potentially a regression. Tremaine Edmonds gone. Can Trey White get back to full form? Is the cornerback two situation completely figured out? Can they stay healthy because they haven't been able to? You never know what the, what the, what the cards have uh, in store. But Sean McDermott's going to have to face the music on it either way. This season's huge. I think you relieve some of the pressure, at least publicly and optically, by reinforcing your trust in the guy. That's why I love the timing of this. I didn't foresee it, but as soon as I saw it, it's the first thing I thought of. I thought this was a major, or it should be at least, now. I'll get to what I'm saying, uh, what I mean in a minute. It should be right now a nice exhale, breathable moment for Sean McDermott to take in and say, look, these guys, they do, you know, they, ha- they, 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 they trust me. And even though this is my biggest season yet with the most pressure yet, arguably, they're backing what I, what, you know, what I am and what I've proved and showing that they have the confidence in me to achieve going forward despite the stakes. I love that look. And I think it's a really... Um, I, I I think showing your confidence in McDermott is a boost for him going into the year. Because on top of all the other things I just mentioned that McDermott's kind of dealing with this year, adding... The thought of getting canned after the year, like people are all have all of a sudden been talking about the last couple of months, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help him. That doesn't help the team. And it sure as hell doesn't help us fans because if McDermott's constantly thinking about, you know, getting fired, right? Well, it's just one more thing he's got to worry about. I think with a variety of things facing the Buffalo Bills going into the year this year, Removing one major element is key. And I think doing this when they did, I think it achieves that. You allow McDermott to take one more major thing on that plate and put it to the side for now. So I love the idea around doing it when they did. I also, in my opinion, I think it is warrant. It has been warranted. I think it has up until this point being unequivocally. And then with McDermott, if it came down to having to re-sign or not, I'm re-signing. I'm doing it. I'm signing up for it. I am a big proponent of sticking with something that has been proven to work and not bailing on it just because you haven't reached the pinnacle yet. Because, Every year you see you see teams rotate coaches like revolving doors and it's not like it's not like all of a sudden walking through that door the next round is going to be the next Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Sean McVay, you name it. The only reason the I'll be completely transparent here. I would have here's what I would have signed up for. I would have done this. I absolutely would have done this. If Sean Payton wanted to come coach in Buffalo, and the Bills would have had to have moved off Sean McDermott to do it, I would have signed up for that. Absolutely. I would absolutely have signed up for Sean Payton, one of the best offensive coaches in the modern era, 
If he wanted to come and coach Josh Allen, I would be an absolute fool to turn that down. Now, there were other things in mind that you had to keep, you know, in front of you when it came to considering that, and this is why it was never going to happen. The amount of money and capital you'd have to get up to get him there, to get him there was never going to be in play for Buffalo. It just wasn't. It was for Denver. Listen, Denver already made their bed. They had, they had to add fancy pillows and a fancy comforter to lay in it because they paid they, – they, they, they gave Russell Wilson – an insane amount of money. And after one year, it's looking like they could have incinerated, incinerated the future of this franchise based on the amount of money they invested in Russell Wilson. But they're looking at this and saying, look, we are in deep on Russell Wilson here. We have absolutely got to make this work or we are screwed. So they put the money in Sean Payton. They had to. The Bills didn't have to nor were they going to, nor did they have the ability to, I think. So they didn't. But if Sean Payton went up to Terry Pagula and said, hey, I'll take the, I'll, I'll take whatever McDermott's making today, I'll coach the Bills. Yes, I would have done that. I, 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 I yes. The only other one I would have, uh, uh, the only other situation I would have also entertained is if Sean McVay were to leave the Rams and wanted to coach the Bills. I would absolutely sign up for that right now. During those um, a couple of months there where there was rumors that Sean McVay was potentially going to retire, potentially going to join the media, potentially leave the Rams for another team. If in that moment, Sean McVay said, uh, you know, I'm going to leave the Rams, but I'd love to coach the Bills. Yeah. Uh, do people realize that Sean McVay is, has like the guy was probably the most successful young coach that he absolutely altered the game right out of the bat. How many people did he get jobs in this league head coaching job? Sean McVay. I mean, he's, he's flipped the script, man. He changed the game quickly. And he's also just an awesome character on top of being a great coach. I find it funny as I'm talking about this, by the way, isn't it, isn't it weird as hell? The only two guys I would have considered moving off of McDermott for are also named Sean. <laughs> what? And one of them is an, also a, a Sean Mick. So you got Sean McDermott. The only other two guys I would have moved, I would have moved off of him for Sean Payton, Sean McVay. That is weird. Just, that just hit me. But either way, th- that is the, uh, that's the only two things I would have. That's the only two things I would have considered. That's it. And guess what? They were considerable. They're not. They're not. Those aren't happening. So let's talk about right. What I have in front of me. What I have in front of me is is reality, right? So do I want to risk the future of the franchise here with a first year head coach? Because that's what it would be. You might go out and get the offensive coordinator there from. Uh, Detroit, I forget his name. He's a, what the hell is his name? Uh, he's he's like the big, he's the big new head coach. In Canada. Yeah, Ben Johnson. He's the guy everybody loves now. Ben Johnson's going to be a head coach soon. Everybody's been talking about that when it comes to potential new head coaches, um, you know, coming into potentially their, their, their first head coaching position. Do you want that? Could the guy, could a Ben Johnson or whoever the hell else gets promoted from somewhere, could they be the next great? Yeah, of course. 
I don't necessarily know if right now in the middle of what the Bills have done and are still in the middle of, by the way, why am I going to scrap that for, for a, uh, taking a gamble on, on a first year head coach? Because that, in my opinion, is what it would be. So all these people out there who hate McDermott, what, what is this? What is your solution? What, what, what everybody's always got all these people who hate McDermott or want to move on from something, right? All they ever have is is a is their is their opinion on on the guy they don't like, but they never have a solution. They never have the 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 fix to the problem that has been dominating their headspace. If you have an active solution that is reasonable and you know either well, frankly, you would never make a move. You would never make a move like this unless you thought you were enhancing the team. You're not going to move off of McDermott for an equally good coach. What's the point? Why would I make a linear move? The only time you want to make a move at that big of a spot, right, at quarterback, at GM, at at, at head coach, you're doing it to improve the team. You're not doing it to move laterally. So at this moment in time, what were you doing to improve the team at the head coaching position by moving off of McDermott? You're not. And until an opportunity arises where you are confident as the front office of these bills, that it is time to move off of McDermott because he is an, he's a hindrance. He is holding this team back. And there is somebody out there that we are currently, we currently have full faith in that propels them forward. Until that happens, how are you not back in McDermott? Because McDermott's been along for the whole ride here. And let's face it, the ride, it is not, we have not gotten off of it yet with the ultimate prize. We have not gotten off, off off of it yet with everything that we've wanted. But we have been on this ride with a lot with a lot of oohs and ahs, a lot of cool flips and corkscrews, you name it. The ride's been fun, man, under McDermott. It has been fun. It's also been incredibly gut-wrenching and sad and sickening at times, but once again, welcome to being a sports fan. Right? I I understand people's discontent with some things that have happened with McDermott. You're going to have that with everybody. Shit, t- two years after Tom Brady leaves the Patriots and everybody in Boston wants Bill Belichick fired. Everybody. Because they're in a they're in a complete rebuild. Like just you it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Bill Belichick doesn't matter if you're Andy Reid and you get to the Super Bowl with the Eagles and you get canned. I mean, think about it. Imagine canning Andy Reid right now. You couldn't fathom it. Imagine canning Bill Belichick a couple of seasons ago. You couldn't dream it, right? This happens everywhere. Things have been good under McDermott. They, of course, can always be better but how are you going to make them better right now? I don't think that there is a move for these bills to make, to make them significantly better at that head coaching spot. And if, and when that opportunity arises, I'm not going to argue against it. Why would I want to go against pursuing further success for this team? Of course, I would never do anything. As far as my, my public opinion, I would never actively come out and give you guys an opinion on the, on this team doing something that, or not doing something, rather. I would, I would never come out and say, I don't want them to do something that would clearly 
benefit them, right? If and when that opportunity arises, and I just gave you two examples, if something like that happens in the future where another one of those type of coaches or those two coaches I mentioned, whatever, if that came into play, you're going to hear me say what I just said. Yeah, I, I, I have my uh, nuances or I have my, uh, my, 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 my kind of different avenues that I look at when it comes to this particular situation. Those were my two different, different avenues. If those two guys who have been two of the best coaches in the last decade wanted to come coach the Bills, how could you not want that for this team, especially two offensive-minded guys? How could you not want that? That's the other thing that McDermott gets bagged on a lot here is the fact that he's not an offensive coach. Yes, that is his biggest hindrance, 100%. That is the biggest public issue facing Sean McDermott, right? He's not an offensive coach, and you have Josh Allen. So, uh, you know, unfortunately with that, if Dorsey is continuously getting better and better, right, over the next couple of seasons, and all of a sudden he becomes the next Brian Dable, he'll move on to become a head coach or he'll get a new job. That's what happens when you have a defensive head coach. The The door revolves like crazy at the offensive coordinator position if the offense is having extreme success, right? That's why Brian Dable, of course, left. And that's why Andy Reid, for example, in Kansas City, it wouldn't matter. And I think that's, un unfortunately, I think it's complete bullshit, but that's unfortunately why... Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a head coaching job because they don't give Eric Bieniemy any of the credit. They give it to Andy Reid and, and, uh, and Patrick Mahomes. But with the Bills, since Sean McDermott's a defensive head coach, Brian Dable got a lot of the credit for the Bills' success on offense. Hell, he got the majority of the credit. How many people do you hear say, oh, you know, uh, Brian Dable's the reason Sean, uh, Josh Allen is who he is today? I mean, I, I've heard that a countless amount of times. And and it's also you know it's a two way street as well. Ken Dorsey took a lot of the blame last year for anything that went anything that went wrong for this offense. But if things all of a sudden got dramatically better and things started getting really 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 top notch level good on offense, you can expect Ken Dorsey to get the hell out of town and get a head coaching job. It's the way it happened. So that's the unfortunate reality. The Bills have lost a lot of different coaches over the last handful of seasons. They've lost a linebacker coach. They lost their defensive coordinator. They lost lost their offensive coordinator. I can't remember how many coaches they've lost. They have lost uh, a handful of coaches over the last couple of seasons, but that's what happens when you're good. When you're a good team, man, you're going to lose your coaches to better jobs elsewhere because teams that are struggling want to get a little bit of that success. So they go out and, you know, that look at the giants for God's sake. They, 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 they took Joe Shane and Brian Dable straight from the bills, put them in their two biggest spots. to get a little taste of what the bills had going on recently. So, do I think it's a disadvantage for Josh Allen to not have an offensive coordinator or an, uh, an offensive coach um, at his disposal? I think it is a bit of a disadvantage. I, I do. I think it is one. I think when you compare it to Andy Reid and Sean uh, or Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, when you compare it to maybe Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, and then you compare Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, yes, I do think that that is a bit of a disadvantage. But I also don't think it is that significant of a disadvantage to where you just start going and, and, and trying to find the next great offensive mind to coach this team because they're not growing on trees. Like I said, I just, I just gave you an example of two 
proven guys that I would 100% sign up for because they're proven. In the middle of what these bills are currently in, I can't just go take waivers on random guys hoping that they, you know, improve this team significantly past what Sean McDermott's done. Uh, because I just don't think it's out there right now. Now, now let's let's talk about the other way. Let's talk about, talk about the other way to look at it. Because there's a lot of people, you know, I'm not here to tell you how to feel on it. Because I see both sides of the, the story. I get it. I get if you're looking at it and saying, man, I'm willing to take a risk on a random offensive type head coach that has the that has a, a high ceiling. I get it. Because you're watching Andy Reid and, and, and um, Patrick Mahomes. You're watching Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, right? You're watching Doug Peterson and um, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you, you're seeing it. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest example, of course, Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. They don't even have a quarterback, and that offense is still out in this world. So I get it. You see all that. I see it, dude. Believe me. Believe me. If Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, you know, out of nowhere woke up tomorrow morning and had an epiphany and said, damn, I want to coach the Buffalo Bills. I'm not going to get in the way of it. You're not going to tune into the smoke break and hear me saying, man, how do you get rid of Sean McDermott for Andy Reid? How do you get rid of Sean McDermott for Kyle Shanahan? I'm not going to say that. Where is the Kyle Shanahan? Where is the Andy Reid right now? It's not there. It's not there. But I get it. It has to be found. It has to be discovered. And I understand people out there who want to take cracks at going on that adventure, finding that discovery for Josh Allen that could potentially be his Andy Reid. I do get that. I get people who put a lot of blame on Sean McDermott for the way things have ended the last couple of seasons. I get that. Right? 100% 100% understand. So let's talk about an example right now of going into this year. And, and I'll tell you, I reserve my right to think differently about how I view this whole thing as well at the end of next season. I'm, I'm talking about what I know right now. And I'm on record saying this already. I, 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 my, my opinion on this whole situation could change dramatically depending on how next season goes. If the def- if the defense is an absolute utter disaster, if if it's if it's a collapse this year, if it's just an absolutely horrendous no show again in the playoffs, yeah, my tone is going to be a lot different. Absolutely, I am not going to sit around and defend everybody here if it's three straight years of if we're seeing some sort of decline, right? four straight years, I guess you could argue, where you go from the AFC championship to a heartbreak divisional loss to an absolute drumming in the division. If we get another step down, if we're looking at the stock here, if the stock graph of the playoffs of the playoffs for the Bills starts here at the AFC championship, it has, you know, not I wouldn't say dramatically, but gradually gone down every year. It's taken one step down. You go from the AFC championship, and even though they, they really weren't competitive very very long in that game, you still got to the AFC championship. It's the farthest this team has gotten. 
you go down a notch, divisional game, but damn, I mean, you're 13 seconds away from getting it done. And in my opinion, and I'll always hold this, I think you're 13 seconds away from winning the Super Bowl, but you lose it. You go down a notch and you follow that up. The, the, this past year, you get back to the divisional, but you just get worked. If there, there's another step down this year where it's like a wild card loss to, I don't know, like a team that they're significantly better than on paper or they're significantly favored against. It, it all depends on how it looks to me. I've said this before. If the Bills go out into the playoffs next year and it's another loss like the Chiefs, like it just happens. I'm not going to demand Sean McDermott get fired because they lost an all-time classic game again. However, if they go out and say they run into uh trying to think of an example of a team that I think could be like a, a fringe wildcard team in the AFC. It's so tough to think about because every team's good. Um, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Fill in the blank. Just say in the wild card game, uh, they get just destroyed. Or say they don't make the playoffs. God forbid. I don't even want to remember that I just said that out loud. But if any of these things happen, yeah, there's going to be a dramatic change in the way I think. And this is what you have to consider when you're thinking about these, um, when you're thinking about these contract extensions. The reason I do like it right now is because I think it is a positive PR move. I think optically it looks really good for the current state of these bills. I think it gives a lot more confidence instilling into uh, Sean McDermott. You give him the, you know, the vote of confidence saying we understand what's on your plate right now. We understand what you guys have gone through the last couple of years. Just know we got you here and you know, you have, you are in our good graces to say the least going into this season. I think that looks good. And then of course, with the Stefan Diggs BS that's happening right now in the, in the way that things ended last season and stuff, I think right now the bills needed a positive, um, you know, upward trending move. I think that this was it. However, this is just, what it is is what it is, uh, and like currently, it, that's all it's good for. These extensions, they're essentially is they're depending on what the contract looks like. They're essentially good for what I was just talking about, like really instilling confidence into the team and into the coach, and putting out good optics and showing you there's nothing to see here. Things are good in Buffalo. We got a great regime here, so of course we're going to extend them. You know, that's what these things are good for. But as far as like them locking in McDermott for being the head coach of this team till 2027, as far as this contract extension locking in Brandon Bean being the GM through 2027, if something insane out of left field, who the hell knows, don't even want to consider it happens, whatever. Uh, th that's not the case. And there's a couple of examples right here that, that have just recently, recently happened that show you exactly that the most recent is last year people <laughs> it is hilarious to think that this happened but it, it 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 did happen and it's the exact situation the bills are currently doing right now with Sean McDermott and uh and Brandon Bean the Arizona Cardinals gave Cliff Kingsbury an extension going into the 2022 season they also gave GM Steve Kime an extension Ten months later, they canned them both. They did exactly what the Bills just did. They extended the GM, 
They extended the head coach. And not even a year later, directly after that season was over, the season going that they were going into that they had just extended them for prior. Tandem, gone. But that, of course, is because the Arizona Cardinals went from a team that when they got Kyler Murray, you were looking at them, right? They get DeAndre Hopkins, they got Kyler Murray. You're looking at them and you're thinking, man, they could really be a contender in the NFC here. And they were. So it seemed. And then you want to talk about a decline. I mean, now you look at the Cardinals this year, they could potentially be the worst team in the league if things plant pan out uh, the wrong way for them. Easily one of the top, you know, or one of the bottom five, six teams in this league. And the writing was on the wall there. They have exhausted two first overall picks on quarterbacks and Kyler Murray. As of right now, it looked like it was going to be a hit. It's definitely not looking that great now, especially after that contract extension for him. Uh, that second contract where it was dicey to say the least, and it just seems like it's getting dicier by the minute. Yeah, things kind of imploded in Arizona, and that's why they fired both Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. But it's a perfect example of the fact that th these extensions here, they're kind of just in play for as much time as, as you know you want them to be in play for if you're, if you're Terry Pagula. So if if the Bills, let's just come up with doomsday, like, worst scenario, right? If the Bills go out this year and they go, I don't know, man, 6-11 and 11 somehow, I, I don't even, I, I, and I'm talking, like, not with Josh, like, no injury to Josh Allen, no significant uh, like no, no, no reason for them to be six and 11, uh, six and 11. And of course, if the, if the bills lost Allen or if they lost digs or whatever, you would have your reasons where you could say, man, like no, no shit. They went, they were that bad. It's like the Ravens last year. I think the Ravens, they overachieved with the amount of injuries that they had. Right. If you go into this year and there's no legitimate reason for why the bills all of a sudden just have a horrendous season, don't make the playoffs, are not competitive, uh, don't have a winning record. Um, don't think for a second that Terry Pagula cannot say, hey, John McDermott, we appreciate everything you've done for this organization, but it's time to move on to a different direction. That can 100% happen. So there is an example right there, but let me reemphasize the reason, first of all, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kine, they, they should never have been extended to begin with. I, I don't know. I don't, it wasn't like the Cardinals even had a sniff of what the bills have been doing recently. I don't even know. I think they put, what do they make the playoffs once with uh, Murray? Maybe even if they did, it was the most forgettable game I've ever seen. I don't even know if they did to be honest, to be honest with you. I think they did. They definitely haven't won one. I, who the hell, who the hell knows? I have no idea. Who cares? <laughs> who, who the hell cares? Because it should never have been done. Should never have Cliff Kingsbury. There were more questions than answers surrounding him before that extension. And they hadn't achieved anything. They had not proven Kyler Murray was one of the top quarterbacks in the league. They had not proven they had one of the best teams in the league. They had not made an AFC or an NFC championship. They had not gone on a playoff run. They have not, they had not threatened the top of the NFC. That was not happening. So why they extended those two guys, I do not know. They're also the Arizona Cardinals. They are currently an absolute train wreck dumpster fire. So it adds up for them. 
But it's just an example to show you that these contract extensions, uh, you know, they, they, they set nothing in stone. So what I do like about it is I do think that it relieves the pressure, but it also, of course, gives you, it's kind of the best of both worlds. I get to instill more confidence into Sean McDermott by giving him my trust, my backing, telling him, hey, you've done an extraordinary job here. And because of that, we're going to reward you with the extension, not only to show you that we've loved what you've done for us so far, but we also have full confidence in you being able to continue to build on the success and get even better in the future. I love the, the aspect of that in doing so in a very critical year for Sean McDermott. I think that that's awesome. So you get the benefit of that. You get the benefit of the positive news putting it out there into the ether to kind of show, hey, listen, people are trying to tear down the Bills' culture right now. People are trying to attack what's going on in the Bills' locker room in the front office. Nothing to see here. Things are good in Buffalo. You get to put that out there. But at the same time, on the other end of the th- uh, on the other th- end of things, if, if everything goes to complete shit, you can get out of these contracts. You're not locked in unless there's something within the contract. I don't think they're they're out yet, or I haven't seen the full details yet, but unless there's something in there, and there usually isn't, that completely locks these guys in and I highly doubt that that is uh, the case because you just don't see that if that winds up being the case um, you know then things of course are different but more than likely you, you have the ability to be able to move on should the opportunity present itself but you have to also think of this you don't want the opportunity to present itself to you to uh, to uh, to get the the tires moving on considering moving off of McDermott because the only way that they're going to consider moving off of McDermott is if things get significantly bad, like significantly worse, right? Things would have to really, I mean, just nosedive. So anybody out there who is upset about the extension and wants to move on, well, then you're essentially rooting for the failure of this team because it's not happening unless the Bills turn into the Arizona Cardinals. You know, do you want that? The only other example of that, you know, I think was a bit similar was Frank Reich. He had four years left on his contract with the Colts and the Colts candom. I thought that was a horrendous move by Jim Irsay, who I have felt has been just, uh, once again, there seems to be a, a kind of a correlation here between the Cardinals. I think Jim Irsay has lost touch with a lot of, a lot of things recently. Uh, because what did we see? Uh, what did we see follow up the firing of Frank Reich? The hiring of Jeff Saturday, who was an ESPN anchor the day before the Colts brought him in to lead the team. What? Firing Frank Reich was a horrendous move. I think Frank Reich is a terrific coach, and I wish him. Nothing but the utmost success in Carolina because I think that Frank Reich, he he has had a tremendous track record as a coordinator. And then when he got to Indianapolis, they were cooking. The Colts were great. Don't you remember how badly the Colts beat the shit out of the Bills at home a couple of years back? I was at that game and I fell asleep. In the stands, I got woken up by, I, I, I don't even know what the hell happened. That's how bad that game was. That that game was one of the worst games I've ever been to. And they were getting better and better, it seemed, you know, with Jonathan Taylor. And, uh, of course, when Andrew Luck was there. But then that's what 
Um, you know, the Andrew Luck thing, it was well before Jonathan Taylor, but that, of course, was the ascending. That was the ascendance of the Colts once again into being great. And then you get to the point where Andrew Luck kind of leaves you at the altar and you're like, holy shit, that, no one saw that coming. But then they got Phillip Rivers and the Bills needed everything in their power to beat them in the playoffs. Don't you remember that? I mean, it, it came down to Josh Allen willing this team to victory at the end and, and, and things kind of collapsing for the Colts on the final drive for the Bills to get out of that one alive a handful of years ago. So, you know, I thought Frank Reich had done a great job in Indy and just because things had hit a skid and Carson Wentz was terrible and, and Jonathan Taylor was hurt, I, I didn't understand the firing. I think Jim Irsay completely blamed Frank Reich for the acquirings of uh of Carson Wentz okay um I don't know I thought it was a terrible move and I thought it was a great pickup for Carolina so you have two examples there of kind of a similar situation to Sean McDermott going into this season and I think both instances are kind of outliers because the Cardinals are not one of the worst teams in the league and Cliff Kingsbury clearly proved that he was not capable of being able to keep this team uh you know afloat much less you know going towards a positive direction they have done anything but they are going in the opposite direction and then with the frank reich situation i just it made no sense to fire him i just i didn't i don't get it so that's where we're at right now uh sean mcdermott with the, these bills would have to have a significant regression for him to be considered uh for him to have his job in jeopardy that's what this extension is telling you uh potentially it would not i mean maybe his job would be in a bit more jeopardy based on uh, you know, different circumstances that this season results in say they don't extend them and the bills go into this season. And it's another season like last year, you know, maybe you do move off or maybe you think about it a bit more. I should say uh, if, if you're Terry Pagula, if you didn't extend McDermott, but I don't think a season like last year gets McDermott fired uh, off of this extension. I think that in order for McDermott to be, um, you know, on the hot seat, when I'm told, when I say hot seat, I mean like really, um, in trouble, these bills would have to regress dramatically and nobody wants that. So if you're on the, the wagon of man, not a McDermott guy, I understand your arguments, but you really gotta, you gotta come to terms with the fact that this team has been damn good with Sean McDermott. And yes, he has had his, uh, he has had his shortcomings, but damn it. He has also had his shining moments that I just think he does not get enough credit for. So, uh, you have to ask yourself once again, when you look at this situation, based on what the bills have, have achieved under McDermott and based on what's currently out there in the market, were you in a better position moving off of McDermott? The answer is no. And when you look at, uh, when you look at the team moving forward, you also have to understand that, you know, there is an ability to get out of this should you absolutely have to. So the extension in itself isn't this wild, um, you know, isn't this wild set in stone thing that could that it could set the franchise back if that's how you view things with uh with Sean McDermott. Uh, I I just think that if you're in that mindset, I think you completely focus on all the things that everybody else could focus on too. They're just they're the, they're the negative. You can do this with everybody. And I am not one 
to sit here and, and not criticize Sean McDermott. I've done it several times. But uh, of, of course I have because that sports, no matter how great you are at anything, you're going to get criticized when you're at the highest level. And I have criticized Sean McDermott on a, on a numerous amount of occasions. But on the other end of things as well, I'll just reemphasize this once again. This team has never been this good in my lifetime under, under any other coach. And we've never had this great of a coach from, you know, the leadership standpoint, the representation of the organization, and then the success on the field. In my lifetime, it is not even remotely close. And I, for one, do not want to go out there and just look for some random replacement that has the potential to be better than McDermott in the middle of a team or in the middle of a situation where this team currently is still in that Super Bowl window. Um, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to want to move off. But as we know, things can change. But let's hope the change made here is for those that were hoping McDermott would get moved off from, let's hope the change made here is at this point next season, one year from right now, you're saying, man, I can't believe I ever wanted McDermott gone. That's the, that's the change that I hope we see. Oh, my goodness. Two hours and 20 minutes spent with you tonight here on the Smoke Break, and I really appreciate you tuning in. Got a lot off my chest tonight about the Sean, or excuse me, the uh, the Stefan Diggs situation, and I'm glad I did because I love um, coming on here with you guys and just kind of letting the bullshit meter hit its peak and get that off of my mind because I haven't really been able to go nuts about it yet because I haven't been on here with you and it, it felt good because it just feels like the last two weeks it has been an absolute media blitzkrieg on the Buffalo Bills trying to tear them down and I just don't see it so do not buy into it and hopefully Hopkins and Dalvin Cook sign somewhere soon so this cannot be the top headline of every single NFL site because it doesn't deserve to be I will see you again Next week, Monday night, we'll be back at it for another one and uh, looking forward to it. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you in July. How is that even possible? 77 days till kick. Cannot wait. I'll see you next Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. And as always, go Bills. Caroline, why are you pressing the buttons? Go Bills. Want to press that one? I'll press them all at the same time. Oh.